exercise is important for the body. Right? Now, I'm going to make some statements here. And what I want you to do is I want you to raise your hand if you've never heard this statement before. Alright? We'll try that one again. Exercise is important for the body. Anybody never heard of that? Now, I didn't say you don't agree with it, but you've never heard that. Okay. Uh, spending quality time with your spouse and your kids is important. No hands? Um, maintaining balance between work and play is important for a healthy life. Reading your Bible and praying every day is important. You already know that, don't you? But knowing the right things and doing the right things aren't always the same thing, are they? People are like, oh no, this is supposed to be a happy Father's Day message. <laughs> It'll get happy in a minute. So, uh, you already know the right things to do. You know that being in a small group would be good for you. you. You'd learn to fellowship and you'd have people that you could pray with and do life with. You know that reading your Bible every day would help you grow spiritually. You know that having a ministry, serving in the church somewhere would be good for you. You know the right things to do, but m- the problem most of the time is you don't have enough time to do the things that you know are important. So time management is the issue. And uh, the Bible has a lot to say about this. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Live life with a due sense of responsibility, not as those who do not know the meaning of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time. In other words, since you know the meaning of life, the meaning of life is God created you for a purpose. God created you to have a relationship with Him. God has some things that He wants you to do on this earth. Since you know those things, just do them. That's what the Bible is telling us. But there are three barriers that keep us from doing this. The barriers are unclear values. If you don't know what's important, how can you make time to do what's important? Second thing is unrealistic expectations. You expect others to have these high um, uh, goals and you expect to do certain things in your life. Maybe your expectations are way too high for what uh, others should be doing in your life. And the third thing is lack of energy. Because of the first two, we get worn out. We try to do too much. We lose focus of what's really important. And we get tired and you just can't do what's really important. So there are three steps that I want you to take today. And this applies to moms, dads, everybody here. You can apply this today. By the way, does everybody have a listening guide? If you don't have a listening guide, let me see your hand. There's a couple up here. I think and we got some, Alex. Anybody else? Everybody else got one. All right. We're cool. Um, the first thing. First step, three steps. First step is line up your priorities. Line up your priorities. And we have a video that we want to show you. It's called The Dad Adventure. And it just reminds us of the importance of being a dad.
Be a dad. It's a great adventure. I saw that and I just thought about all the things that I've done with my kids. Caleb and I used to, um, by the way, he, he decided since his friends do this, every time, since he's now in church with us, every time I mention his name, he gets a buck. So he just got a dollar. Um, I tried to get him to come do the hoo-hoos with me. And I told him I'd give him ten bucks if he did that, but he said no. Um, but our friends do this. My friend's a pastor, and every time he mentions his kid's name, they get a dollar. So he thought that was good. I'm just going to keep saying he instead of his name so I don't go broke. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking about all the things we used to do. We used to do the Legos, and we used to run around, and we do just lots of stuff. And my kids get excited when I do something with them. We have an above-ground pool, and, and they'll say, Dad, will you swim with us? And if I say yes, yay! It's like this parade goes around me. Dad's going to swim. Dad's going to swim. I mean, it's just... Kids want you to pour value into their lives. And it's just simple things that we can do. We've got to line up our priorities. Now, we all have the exact amount of time, uh, the same amount of time. You know how many hours there are in every week? Hello? Not enough. Not enough. Thank you. That, that works out quite well with what I'm about to do here. There are 168 hours in every week. And we all get those same hours. So this fishbowl with 168 marbles in it represents your life. You probably can't see that, but that's what those white pieces of paper say. Your life. And, you know, what we always hope is that next week we'll have 5,000 hours so that we can make up all of the stuff that we didn't get done the previous week. But the real thing is we only have 168 hours every week. So, the only thing that you can do then is manage time. You can't make time. You can't save time. You can't stretch time. You can't add time. All you can do is you can manage time. So, your life will either be shaped by your priorities. I've got some small fishbowls to represent what goes on inside the big fishbowl. Your priorities. This is what your life will be uh, consumed by. Or, your pressures. Now, if you don't have... If you haven't chosen the priorities for your life, someone else will gladly choose those priorities for you, won't they? There's all kinds of stuff that they would like for you to do. They. We talked about that. Having the right they in your life and the wrong they in your life. I don't even know who they are. But they will try to pressure you to do things. And it doesn't matter if you are gifted to do those things. It doesn't matter if you like doing those things. It doesn't matter if you're called by God to do those things. If you do not have something that says, this is what I will do and this is what I won't do, then someone else will squeeze you into their mold. And what we want to do is, how many of you have a to-do list? How many of you make to-do lists? How many of you make do-not-do lists? Anyone? Doggone, I've talked about this at least three times in four years that we've been to church and nobody's taking my advice. You need to have a do-not-do list. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put over these pressures... Do not do. Because are you ever pressured to do something that you know you're not supposed to do? And I don't even mean something that may be illegal. It's just something that you know you are not supposed to do. We need to make do not do lists. And whatever you do, make sure your time, represented by these marbles here, make sure your time does not go in here. Because that leads to a frustrating life. Now, what we've got to do is make sure that our lives... Our, our time, our, these marbles, go in here. That's one secret of an effective life, is knowing how to concentrate your life. So the more time you put in here, the more effective your life will be. Those things that you are called and you are gifted to do, the more effective you will be, and the more satisfied your life will be. It's like light. Now, light 
concentrated can become a laser beam. And it can actually burn stuff. They use lasers now in surgery. That's concentrated light. Diffused light has no power. This light right here, this is a spotlight. It has a little more power than the lights above your head. But it's not hurting me. Although the band complains about it sometimes. It's not hurting me. But if you concentrate that light, you can cut something with it. You could make it become a laser. And, and part of the deal is that if you concentrate your light, it would be like taking the power of the sun and using a magnifying glass. What do you do with that? You can light grass. You can burn bugs. You know, you can concentrate that power. If you concentrate... Yeah, some of you think, let's do that. Maybe we'll do that at the birthday party. Maybe we won't. Um, we could get in trouble for that. So... This container should be those things I will not do. This container are priorities, those things I will do. And I challenge you this week to make sure this one, those things I will do, gets more of your time than the one that says my do not do list. Now, the Bible tells us that it's dumb to try to do everything. I love the Bible. I love the book of Proverbs. And we're going to look at a lot of verses from Proverbs today because it's just practical wisdom. And I dare you, double dog dare you to put this stuff into practice and see if it works. Or triple dog, if that's whatever it takes, however many dogs it takes to get you to try it, I will, I will that many dogs dare you. Proverbs 17, 24. An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. You ever seen that? Project comes up. One person says, we need to do this, 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 this. The other's just running around. Their head's cut off. Doesn't work. Look at what else it says. Proverbs 12, 11. It is stupid to waste time on useless projects. Now, guys... You need to hold on to this one and use it whenever you get a honeydew. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The only time you can use this on your honeydew list is today, Father's Day. You don't have to do honeydew list on Father's Day. Well, maybe you do. You better talk to your honey because she's got more power in your life than I do. Um, so don't use it. Don't, don't abuse the Bible like that. Now, what do we do? What's the problem? We've got to line up our priorities. And Proverbs 16.9 says this. We should make our plans counting on God to direct us. Now, God plans. God planned what He was going to do as He created the earth. He planned what He was going to do on every day. And if you want to be like God, then you need to plan. So you need to think through the direction of your life. Would a, a businessman or a businesswoman, at least a successful one, would they dare to try to run a business without a business plan? No. They'll spend hours and hours on a business plan. Those same people will spend zero amount of time on a life plan. Which one is more important in the long run, your life or your business? Your life. So it doesn't make sense to me that we will sail through life with all kinds of business plans and not spend ten minutes a day on our life plan. That doesn't add up. Now, some of you have written out wills, right? Anybody written out a will? I have a will. It's a rather simple one, but I have a will. A will says what's going to happen to my assets after I die. Right? That's smart to have a will. It directs, here's where this goes, here's where this goes after I die. Many of us have wills, and we are more prepared for death than we are for life. Because how many people have a life plan? I got a death plan. I got life insurance. But that doesn't guarantee that I'm making a life. Does this make sense to you? We've got to spend some time planning our life. Why don't we make plans so that all of our money can be distributed while we're alive? Then we can see where it's going. Now, I realize you don't know the moment of your death. All the more reason to be prepared. Now, how would you rate yourself 
on lining up your priorities. On your listening guide, you have a scale from 1 to 10. And I want you to think about this. Don't mark it yet because I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Would your children rate your priorities as different than you would? Really easy to say my kids are important, but would your kids say your job is more important than they are? Let me ask you a couple of questions about that. If you say, I don't have any time in my life for anything but work, you need to circle one. Just don't even, don't even pretend, just put a one. If you can say, I'm learning to set up my priorities and I'm learning to follow those, to live by them, then give yourself a five or a six. But if you can say, I schedule every day, every week, time for, for things that are important, then you give yourself a ten. Now, why do I say that? Because nothing happens in your life until you schedule it. You may say time for your children is important, but what happens if you don't schedule in time on your calendar for your children? The week has gone by and you're like, oh no, what happened to my time? You may say time with your wife is important, but if you are not, you can say time for God is important. You can say all of those things, but if you don't schedule it, then it's not really important to you. So, scale of one to ten, circle where you are. We're going to do some evaluation. And then we're going to lighten up. The next step is going to lighten up. I told you it's going to be more fun in a minute. You're still going to have to rate yourself, but it's going to be more fun rating yourself on the next one. All right. First one is line up your priorities. Second step, if you are going to do better at this whole life thing, laugh at life. Laugh at life. Now, I believe that we've taken care of all of the single dads, and I'll explain about that here in a second. If you're a single dad and, and you didn't get a, a gift, let me know that afterwards because we've got gifts for the single dads, which are different than these gifts. And you'll understand when I give these gifts out. Um, would all of those who are, are, are married dads, would you stand? Or if you're about to be married, we'll count that as well. All right. What we've done is we've got Victoria's Secret gift cards for you guys. Let me tell you, that was some kind of fun going in that store and telling them what I was doing. And they're like, what kind of church are you? I said, we're a fun church. And they actually, they were laughing. They're like, man, um, hey, Caleb and Daniel, y'all come here. There's no pictures on them. They can hand them out. Y'all give one of these to, to every dad to stand. When you get yours, you, you can be seated. When I went in there, um, I was telling them what was going on and I was asking them if I could film some stuff, you know, for our next marriage series. And they're like, I don't know, man, if you can film anything in here. I'm like, come on now. Um, but, but one lady said, I wish there was a church like you around here. This was in Tyler. And they were just laughing. We got to talking about the Mona Lisa interview that we did. And they said, that sounds like fun. I'd go to a church that was fun. It's fun. Okay, we're going to do another thing real quick. Hot dog. I get a bunch left over. By the way, we were talking about this at our Sunday planning team, and uh, they just said, Doug, what are you going to do with your card? And I said, I'm going to give it to my wife. Because when I went in there to buy those things, that's the first time I'd ever been in the Victoria's Secret. It made me nervous. And Jamie's like, do you want me to handle it? You know, you can step outside. And I said, no, as long as I'm with you, it's okay. Um, but they said, what are you going to do with yours? They said, do you know the size of your wife? I'm like, No. <laughs> And so they were just ragging me that I don't know how to buy things for my wife. So just for the record, in the last 24 hours, I have found out the size of my wife, and I will go and do that. 
And I will never tell you what I buy because it's none of your business. Now, we've been saying for weeks, the reason I did this, we're not just insane. We've been saying for weeks that Victoria's Secret can be a friend of married couples. The reason we didn't give that to single guys, dude, we just don't want to tempt you. I mean, come on, right? We're, we're thinking about you. God, we need to loosen up. I'm going to have to... Last year when I talked about sex and marriage, I thought everybody was going to fall out of their chairs because I kept saying sex. Okay. We're going to do an NBA trivia uh, contest right now, and we're going to give out another gift. NBA trivia. We're going to have some fun here. These are nicknames, nicknames of uh, guys that were in the league, either they're currently in the league or they were in the league in the last five or six years. All right? So what we'll do is we'll keep score. If you know the answer, you just holler it out, and uh, you, we'll keep score. We're going to do about six or seven of these. All right, you ready? And if, you, if nobody knows it just off the top of their head, then I'll give you multiple choice. First one. The Admiral was the nickname for what NBA player? David Robinson. All right. Look at Stanley go. By the way, Stanley knows and sizes. This is where this came from. Stanley went to... From the Mall of America in Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> So Stanley shamed me into finding out my wife's sizes. That's true. And shamed me by telling how good Stanley did. Stanley did good. She said, isn't that sweet? And I'm like, oh, okay, so I'm a putt. But I know now. My wife told me. So, uh, But I can't go. Never mind. We just, okay. Zoe was known. Lonzo Morning. All right. Bruce has got one back there. What player was known as the Croatian sensation? No. I'll give you three, three other choices. Vlade was one of the choices, but that's not correct. Arvidas Savonis, Detlef Shrimp, Tony Kukoc. Ah, I heard Stanley first. Stanley's got two. Y'all going to have to be quicker. The mailman with the nickname of who? I don't know who said that first. All right, all right. So Mark's got one. So it's 2-1-1. One, one. All right, here we go. What NBA player earned the nickname The Answer? Whoa, who said that? David. All right, David jumped on that one. Uh, the Worm is who? Oh, Stanley's rocking and rolling over there. I may have to give him another Victoria's Secret card here in a second. Um, Big Dog was the nickname of who? Glenn Robinson, he's just running away with this, man. We just might as well quit. Um, the glove. Who said that? David. All right, he got two. And we'll do one more. Let's see, where is it? Oh, this one's actually kind of hard. I missed this one. Mighty Mouse was the nickname of what player? Not Spud Webb. I'll give you choices. John Stockton, Allen Iverson... Damon Stoudemire, Muggsy Bogues. Stoudemire. Oh, you made a good comeback there, but, but you didn't win that. We have an Applebee's card for Stanley. And because... Uh, actually, we're going to give you two of those. Yeah, I can't give a single man something. We'll have to get another card for David because he got second place. All right, give him a hand, give him a hand, give him a hand. Now, 
Stress in your life is a result most of the time of your own attitude. Did you know that? Stress is usually self-imposed. Um, Proverbs 12.25 says, An anxious heart weighs a man down. More people die from worry than from work. Your career is not the Almighty in your life, more important than anything else. And humor doesn't solve anything. Humor never solves anything, but it changes your perspective about life. Now, an anxious heart shortens a man's life, but look what Proverbs 14.30 says. A relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. So the, the, the whole deal is lighten up and you'll live longer. Right? I mean, Jesus even said, who can add a single cubit to his lifespan by worrying about life? So lighten up. From God's perspective, your problems aren't that big. Now, some of you are going, uh, if you knew my problems, you wouldn't be able to lighten up. I'm saying if you'll lighten up, your problems won't be so big. All right? You need to practice what I call relaxed concern. Now, that may sound like a contradiction, but, but it's not. Let me explain. Jesus modeled relaxed concern. Um, the very first recorded words of Jesus, or when he was 12 years old, he'd been at the temple, his parents came to get him, and his first recorded words were, I had to be about my father's business. At 12 years old, this young man was saying, I have a plan, it's God's plan, and I have to be about my father's business. Now, 21 years later, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he's about to die. And do you remember the very last words on the cross? It is finished. How in the world could he... That's bookends of a life that, that, is, um, that is very successful and, and made a lot of impact. I have to be about my father's business. It is finished. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, had all the people in the world who needed to be saved from hell, had they all been saved? No. Had all the people who were sick been healed? No. Had all the people who were hungry and didn't have food, had they been fed? Had all the people who had all kinds of hurts and and bad habits and hang-ups, had they been relieved of those things when Jesus died? When He said, it is finished. How in the world could He say, it is finished then? Because He had completed what God had given Him to do. He had done exactly what God had given Him to do. So He hangs on the cross and He says, it is finished. Um... When you study Jesus' life, you notice that he's never in a hurry. Never in a hurry. One time, one of his best friends was sick. Lazarus. They sent somebody. Jesus is five, six miles away. Tops. In another little town. They send somebody to Jesus and they say, Jesus, your friend is sick. Hurry. Come come heal him so he'll get better. You know what Jesus did? We would assume that Jesus would run. Five, six miles. That's not a big deal. Takes him three days to get there. Why? Because he knew God had a bigger plan than just healing Lazarus. In your mind, which is a bigger miracle? Healing somebody who's sick or bringing someone back from the dead? Jesus knew God's plan was bigger than just healing a sick man. So he hangs out five or six miles away. Takes him three days to get there. Everybody's Jesus, if you had just been here, Lazarus would not have died. They're, they're just throwing all of this stuff at him. And, it, and Jesus was moved in his heart because he looked at everybody that was crying over Lazarus' death. And it says, the, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept because he saw what death and destruction did to people. Jesus wept knowing that in just like 15 minutes, Lazarus was going to be walking around. People going to be hopping up and down going, oh my, the Son of God must be among us. But Jesus wept because he saw what destruction does to people. And not knowing God's plan, what that does to people. God was never in a hurry. And we need to not be in a hurry either. We need to, to trust God. 
Now, Proverbs 17.22 says, Being cheerful keeps you healthy. It is a slow death to be gloomy all the time. Do you, do you know medical research confirms this? Whenever you laugh, it creates endorphins. Sounds like a funny name. We won't talk about what it sounds like. Um, but endorphins are actually nature's painkillers. Back when I was in, in some counseling classes in seminary, they told us that when you're counseling somebody, if they will laugh, then there's hope in their life. But if they can't laugh, there is no hope. And you better send them to somebody who's more professional than you are. I'm not a trained counselor. I just had a few classes. So I'm always going to refer people that, that are beyond my, my uh, expertise. But if people can laugh, then there are some possibilities for them. So, have you ever seen uh, headlines? Jay Leno, headlines? We're just going to try some headlines just to see if we can make you laugh. So, here we go. Tips to avoid alligator attacks. Can y'all read that? Don't swim in waters inhabited by large alligators. It's like these are actual headlines. All right, how about the next one? Fisherman arrested for using wife as shark bait. <laughs> I'd like to talk to this guy because I just I don't know. Wow, I've used a lot of bait, but I haven't tried that one. Next one. Statistics show that teen pregnancy drops off significantly after age 25. This is our government at work here. We've figured out that when you're 20, you're not a teen pregnancy statistic anymore. We're pretty good. Next one. Oh, this is sad. Due to lack of interest by friends and relatives, the birthday party for Becky Pritchard has been canceled. I would hate to be Becky. I would hate to be Becky's family. They should have shown pictures of Becky's family. This is our meteorologist at work here. Sun or rain expected today, dark tonight. I mean, you read some headlines and you go, what were they thinking? All right, next one. Psychics predict world didn't end yesterday. <laughs> is that it? All right. Now, I'll, we usually, Danny, I'll be walking through the house. We kiss the kids goodnight, you know, and we always go back and check on them before we go to bed. But if headlines is on, we always stay up and watch headlines. Now, I want you to rate yourself on this idea of being able to laugh at life. And I want you to think about some stuff. Do you need to lighten up your attitude? That's the first thing. Do you need to lighten up? Are you too serious all the time? Is work the only thing that's important in your life? Does it keep you at the grindstone so that you don't enjoy the people in your life? Are you enduring life instead of enjoying life? Because if, if you're enduring life, then, then there's some serious warning signals going on. Are you taking time for the people around you? Rate yourself. One to ten. One is I am not doing a good job. Ten is life is a party. Having a good time at life. All right, number three. We're lining up our priorities. We're going to laugh at life. And then we're going to look to God. Look to God. The only way you're going to get the important things done in your life is to ask Jesus Christ to help you. And this comes out of the Bible again. Look at this. Proverbs 10.27 Reverence for God adds hours to each day. Reverence means you take God seriously. You put Him first in your life. And how many of you would like to have more hours in your day or your week? Just two or three of you. The rest of you got this down. <laughs> Why waste time? Okay. The Bible gives you the key right there. Did you see it? Reverence for God adds hours to each day. The reason we don't laugh at life and the reason we don't look to God is we take ourselves too seriously and we don't take God nearly seriously enough. 
And so you don't reverence him, that means you don't take him seriously. You don't put him first. And a lot of you think the solution is more time. If I only had more hours in the day. God says you don't need more time. God says you need more time with me. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. You know, Martin Luther once said, I have so much to do today that I must spend four hours in prayer before I begin. And we look at that and we go, he's nuts. No, he'd learned that reverence for God adds hours to each day. Years ago, I helped my brother build his house in Sulphur Springs, outside of Sulphur Springs, Texas. And my sister-in-law, on certain days that, that things seemed to be going bad or whatever, she would begin to pray, God, lengthen their time. Add minutes to their day. And many times, it would seem like, it would seem like the sun had stood still and we got more done that day. Especially the days that we spent time. Because my brother, we would, we would drive from his house out to where we were building. It was about a 40 minute drive. And I remember one time we memorized Proverbs chapter 3 on the way. Reverence for God adds hours to your day. And God promises to bless you when you put Him first in, in your life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust the Lord completely. In everything you do, put God first and He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. The principle is this, whatever you put God first in, He will bless you and He will honor you. And this whole principle of I'm going to put God first in my life, this is the principle we talk about in class 101, we talk about in class 201, we talk about in church. It's the principle of tithing. And it applies to your time just as much as it does to your money. The Bible says that the purpose of tithing is to teach you to trust God and to put God first in your money. And God knows that that is a huge issue with, with all of us. Christians, non-Christians, everybody, that is a huge issue. Tithing is that is the principle that the first 10% I get goes to God. If I make 10 bucks, $1 goes to God. If I make 100 bucks, $10 goes to God. That's the principle of tithing. If I give 2%, that's not tithing. If I give 5%, that's not tithing. Tithe literally means 10%. Why did God say 10%? I do not know. That's what He chose. He could have said 90%. He could have said 30%, but God said 10%. And God says, if you put me first in your finances, I will make the other 90% stretch farther than you ever imagined. Janie and I are living proof of that. We've been doing it for four years. Many times, the church could not afford to pay us in that first year. Folks would walk up out of the blue and say, God told me to give this to your pastor. Give it to somebody in the church. One time it's a thousand bucks. That's all we got for the whole month. God made it stretch. And, and there have been times we've been tempted as, as the pastor. We've been tempted not to give that time because we couldn't afford it. And then we said, there is no way I can ever preach on the subject with integrity if we don't tithe every time. So you can go back and you can look at the church uh, financial records for four years. We're going to tithe and God has always been faithful. Now, He doesn't do it ahead of time. Many times it will be like on the day that something's due. I think He just does that because I think God wants us to lighten up a little bit. I think he just smiles. Because I love doing stuff for my kids, you know, at the last minute and bailing them out. Just kind of smiles. Like, Daddy will take care of you. I think God does that as well. It's the same with your time. God says, if you put me first with your time, I will honor you and bless you and make the rest of your time go farther than you thought possible. You may say, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time for a small group. I don't have time to study your, the Bible. And God says, okay, that's all right. I'll let you make that choice. But you are on your own in regards to time. I will not be involved in that. The Bible says with tithing, it's the only time in the Scripture that God says, test me. Test me and see if I will not supply more than you need. 
And God's given us the same principle here with our time. Test Him and see if He won't make your time go further than you thought possible. Every day, you're, you're exchanging your life for something. The Bible says, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And so there are people, we'll use this bowl to represent talk radio. There are people I know who spend hours every day exchanging their life for talk radio. Now, does talk radio bring a whole lot of blessings in people's life? Not generally. I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking talk radio, but if that's what you live for, then, then you're going to have a pretty empty life when it comes to some of the things that are important, when it comes to priorities. I know some people that live for that little white ball with dimples that you hit around the golf course. I know folks that live for that. And I had kids in my youth group that used to say, my dad loves golf more than me. And so they're putting all of their marbles in, in the golf thing. There's all kinds of stuff. Money, fame. You can just name all kinds of stuff. But what I want you to remember is, you only have so many hours every week. And when you choose to give one of these precious hours, when I give an hour to my son, that's more special than just about anything else I do. Now, they'll come in all the time. They'd take 24 a day if I'd give it to them. But when I give an hour to my wife, when I give an hour to small group, when I give an hour to praying and to reading the Bible... Those are huge things that make a difference in my life. And I guarantee you, it changes my perspective. So every time that, that you look at that marble, I want you to think about what you are exchanging your life for. Because really, that's what you do. Any activity, you ought to say, is this worth giving my life to? Because giving a gift of time, that's the most valuable thing you got. You can make more money. You can't make more time. So I want you to carry that marble with you and I want you to think about those issues as you leave today. Now, the most important thing in life, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 6.21, some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. And you know what it is? They don't know God. Don't know God. You miss this, you miss the whole point of life. So the question I want to ask you is, do you know God? One day you're going to stand before Jesus Christ and God, his father, is going to say to you, he's not going to ask you about your job. He's not going to ask you, you know, how much money you made. He's not going to ask you how popular you were. He's not going to ask you if you stayed with that company to the end and got the gold watch. God doesn't give a rip about that. What he's going to say is, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Did you accept him into your life and did you turn your life over to him or did you turn your back? Because a lot of people are going to say when God says, what did you do with your life? A lot of people are going to say, Sorry, God, I was just too busy. I had appointments. I had scheduling conflicts. And God's going to say, do you think I put you on earth for appointments? The whole reason you're here, this is a dress rehearsal for what happens on the other side of death. And God's going to say, if you did not accept my son, you are not part of my family and you will spend eternity from me in a place called hell. We're going to do a series on hell sometime in the next year. And, and you're going to find out that hell is not a place you want to go. It is not a party place. It is a place of loneliness, of bitterness. Jesus called it a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Doesn't sound like a real inviting place to me. And God says, you need to have time with me and you need to accept my son. So it all boils down to this. Who are you living for? You tell me the answer to that question and I'll tell you how much stress is in your life. If you are living for your reputation, there's all kinds of stress in your life. 
If you're living to try to make more money, there's all kinds of stress in your life. If you're living for anything other than God, there is stress in your life. And it doesn't have to be that way. So I want you to rate yourself on this whole idea of looking to God. Do you spend a lot of time looking to God before you make decisions? Do you spend time on a daily basis with God? Or is Sunday morning the only hour that you ever schedule for God? One is, I don't do much. Ten is, I spend time with God all the time. Quite honestly, I don't know any of us that should mark a ten. Me included. Here's a prayer that each one of us can pray. Psalm 90.12 Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. These three points. Line up your priorities. Laugh at life. Look to God. You can pray these three points for the rest of your life. Wake up in the morning you say, God, help me to make the right decisions today. Because if I go on my own, I'm going to get off course and I'm going to have the wrong priorities. God, help me to lighten up and laugh. Laughter is the best medicine is what Reader's Digest always told us. The Bible tells us that a cheerful heart is good medicine. Learn to laugh, but learn to look to God. Some of you look to yourself. Some of you look to other people. And no offense, but people aren't God. People don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. People have not raised somebody from the dead. People have not healed diseases. People have not made your, your hours stretch more than, than, than you thought possible. God does that. And I need God. I don't, I don't need you as my counselor. I need God as my counselor. So I want you to consider praying this prayer. Would you just close your eyes for just a second? And consider praying this silently as I pray it out loud. Dear God, help me to line up my priorities. Help me to think through what's most important in life. Help me make a don't-do list. Show me what should go on that list. Help me to exchange my life for the right things. Jesus Christ, help me lighten up my attitude. Help me realize that You meant for life to be enjoyed and not just endured. Help me to put my wife, my children, my friends, my relatives in the right place. Help me enjoy them, but most of all, help me look to You. I can't do it all. Help me to listen to You every day, to put You first, to pray over my schedule, to make time for You. I don't want to waste my life. Now, if you've never...